can I ask you, um, where were you born? Where are you from? Uh, from Illinois, from the Illinois. south suburbs of Chicago. Oh, so you know about that Chicago-style pizza? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Absolutely. I've always wanted to try Chicago-style pizza. Yeah. I have not ever tried it. Really? No, I've never been to Chicago. Oh. I've never had Chicago-style. Well, see, so you got to go. Chicago-style pizza, Italian beef, a oh. uh, uh, combo with the Italian beef and sausage. Oh. A Chicago-style hot dog is, you know, second to none. That's you got your hot dog on a sesame seed bun with your tomatoes and cucumbers. Oh, my god! And ketchup and mustard and, and grilled onions. No, it's the best. I've never heard of that before. Oh, yeah, it's the best. And then your Garrett's popcorn. But then they say it's one better than Garrett's. I haven't seen it, but they say it's one better than Garrett's. But my favorite is the Chicago mix, which is caramel and cheese popcorn mix. Caramel and cheese? Mm -hmm. No, I've never had that. I know salty and sweet. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a little difficult with the self, salty and sweet. I kind of, I only like Natalie's, Natalie Hafer's salty and sweet cookies. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the only kind of salty and sweet I like. Yeah. Well, no, you might, you might, uh. Like, like this. That. Oh my gosh, it's good. But then then if that's the case, you may like their buffalo chicken oh. popcorn. I didn't think I would like it. I just told them to give me a sample just because I was going to yeah. try it. But then I ended up buying like a big bag of it <laughs> and we tore it up. It was so good. Is that exclusively in Chicago or can you like buy it online? And have you can it buy shipped? it online. You can buy it oh, online. Okay. They have that nice uh, tin cans okay. that you can buy it in and keep it and use it for something else later. Well, I might need to go on Garrett's popcorn. Yeah. And see if I Garrett pop. <laughs> Give me some Garrett's popcorn. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so that's so funny. I've never heard of a Chicago style hot dog or any of that. So. Oh yeah. But how did you land in Alaska? I landed in Alaska because uh, my husband at the time was in the military. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know because I know you had been in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man. Alaska, the like the place that never has like night. <laughs> well, you know what? It's it's it switches, it does? and it depends on which part of Alaska you're in. Because if you're further north, then it stays darker longer. Oh. But the further south you get, you get more of a mixture. But in the summertime, yeah, it does stay light out for the most of most of the day. So like at two o'clock in the morning, it would look like dusk here. Oh my word! About like uh, eight, seven, eight o'clock in the evening. That's what it would look like. And yeah. so then you just have to remind yourself when it's time to go to bed and when it's time to go home. Because you know, like after church, you get to talking outside mm -hmm. in the parking lot. Yeah, be out there two, three hours. Ask Jay; he'll tell you. Because he would be <laughs> ready. He'd be ready for me to go, He's and I'd be got still. Oh yeah, and I'd still be out there talking and whatnot. And then it's like, oh, I gotta get my son to bed. That's so funny. That's yeah. why you can't get all your information from the internet. Yeah, Cause all right. Because what I've been seeing, it's just all these people saying, it's never dark out. It's always it's always no. light. So then it, it would go like, after that, it would get like dark. Yeah. But then by the time you wake up, if you wake up at 6 o'clock, it's bright and sunny, just like it was yesterday. That is true. But then in the wintertime, you start, after the what summer solstice, I think after that, you start losing so much yeah. daylight every day. And so then in the winter, when it's like January, something like that, mm -hmm. it will be where um, if I went to work, I would leave. I had to be at work at 8 o'clock. Mm -hmm. It would be dark when I went to work at 8 a.m. And then by the time I get off at 5 o'clock, it would be dark. So if I wanted to really get in any daylight, 
then I needed to go out for lunch. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is right now. Like, cause we just fell back. Mm-hmm. I hate that we fall back. Yeah. And I think it's, I don't know if it's true or not, but I think this is the last year we might be only falling back. They mentioned on news that they're, they're looking into whether we're going to keep doing it or not. I would hope that's true because I, I, today was the first day, like I got up and it was like nice and bright out. Mm-hmm. And then it was literally, I just got off at six and it was straight. It was just like in my heart, my house, my heart, <laughs> in my house. It was just, it was just pitch black yeah. and I didn't have any lamps on. I said, well, I've got, this is just depressing. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you know, in Alaska, they have something that they call sad uh-huh. and it's um, a thing where they lose so much daylight that sometimes people actually do get depressed. Like seasonal depression. Mm-hmm. I've heard about Yeah, that. because of the lack of daylight. And so they suggest that you use like some type of lamps like mm-hmm. um, in your office and things like that wow. that help to brighten it like, uh, like, like a daylight. sunlight, daylight, something like that, yeah. so that you can kind of help ward off seasonal depression i really need to invest in some of them light bulbs yeah but i like the daylight yeah and i think what they do with the daylight savings time is they try to give us more daylight in the start of the day so mm-hmm. that's why they move it back and forth but whatever it is i don't know, I don't know. It, it, it throws <laughs> a lot of people off though it does throw you off but um so when did you get saved i got saved in uh when i was 20 years old 20 years old mm-hmm. that's me i'm 20 right now oh see there were you in Chicago? Uh, yes. Yeah, I got saved when I was uh, 20 years old in December, so that'll be 30 years this December. Wow, mm-hmm. that is amazing. Walking with the Lord for 30 years, we're going to get this knowledge tonight. Yeah. We get the wisdom and everything. Yeah. Now, we share something that we both really, we both like this person a lot. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we both share, you know who it is. Uh-huh, I know. We both love Winita Bidem. Yes. We both love Winita we all, I always talk to her about um, the older, some of the older ones that are available on mm-hmm. YouTube because there's so many that's not. Mm-hmm. And there's so many like hidden videotapes and everything because her ministry was primarily like like late 80s, early 90s, 2000s. Well, I wouldn't say primarily, but um, I, I would say like at yeah. this point she's changed. She's kind of shifted. The way that she does things, so I think she's still going strong now. But, oh, she's still going. But um, but I think primarily, yeah. Um, back then, yeah, it was it was a little different. I think she's doing more of her own uh, things now, yeah. whereas um, back then she was doing more for other people. But I mean, I had a lot of money to buy them stuff on cassette that Man. you you probably have never heard about. No, probably uh-huh. not. <laughs> I only vaguely remember some of like the VHS tapes mm-hmm. when I was. Little. I still have some. You do? Oh yeah. Man, I might need to come over for a visit. See. <laughs> <laughs> come see me. But I I remember like when I was little, I used to have to get babysat by one of the ladies in my church, mm-hmm. my grandfather's church, and um, it was funny because I had locked her out of her own room, and she had a VHS player in there, uh-huh. and I had just rewound it, and I put the tape in, and I was just watching from the beginning. Chilling back, and I had locked her out of her room. <laughs> Watching the gospel? I don't know what the movie oh, uh, was. Oh, okay. But it was just a, it was just, it was just a movie, and I uh-huh. was just like, I'm just sitting here right by myself. <laughs> it's so funny. 
Um, but so you got saved at 20. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you immediately get filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues? Or was that a later experience? It wasn't long after mm-hmm. because once I got saved, I was just so excited yeah. to be saved. And I think when I got saved for the, I, to me, I felt like that I felt love for the first time. Wow. Yeah. And I felt that, you know, not only is God real, but he's really real mm-hmm. and he's personable. Yeah. He actually knows who I am. He's not just some big God who's out there, right. but he actually knows who I am. And so I was just real excited about that. Yeah. And a friend of mine asked me, she said, so have you started tearing for the Holy Ghost? And I was like, there's more. What's <laughs> there's that? More. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what's that? And so she, you know, just told me what the Holy Ghost was a little bit. But then she told me about tearing and how you, you know, you say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And stuff like so. And so I know that you don't have to necessarily do it like that. But I do think that there is um, I do think that there is something to say about being willing to wait in God's presence until he answers. Absolutely. So tearing from that perspective, you know, I I don't regret it at all. But so um, once she told me that. I would get alone in my bedroom and I would have my my uh, gospel music playing. I would turn my lights down and I would sit for some reason. I would look in my mirror and I would just say, thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you. And I just kept I just kept doing that, like, you know, day after day, just looking to see if, you know, if something was going to happen. Was I going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, like she said? And so one night I just I prayed, you know, because I. I went from being a person that wasn't, you know, praying un- until, you know, my brothers would come in my room and they would say, you still praying? You still praying? Uh-huh. You, you know, like, what are you praying about? And um, so one night I was just praying and saying, thank you, Jesus, until I fell asleep on my bedroom floor. Yeah. And when I, um, I woke up to, like, speaking something else and my body was like, you know, doing like this. And, oh my word. and I always say that I feel like that was the Lord saying, wake up and hear yourself. And so like Sister Eva was talking just recently about being filled with the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. while she was asleep. So I can identify with that because that was my first experience with speaking in tongues is waking up out of my sleep, speaking in tongues. Wow. And so then uh, what ended up happening is I went to church um, and I took a friend of mine who was unchurched, but we had been friends for a long time, but she went with me. And I was, you know, young in the Lord, baby, zealous. And so I was, you never saw feet move as fast as mine used to. <laughs> I was, I'm so sorry. Hold on. Oh, you're fine. And so uh, anyway, I was praising God and my feet was just moving so fast. And then I ended up going over in front of her and I laid hands on her and I just kind of did like this. And when I did, my friend hit the floor and started rolling under wow. the pews. And I just went back to shouting like it was nothing. So my pastor said, we're not used to seeing people do like that unless they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And said, saints, let's gather around and pray for her. But I, Because I never told anybody that I had spoken in tongues a little. It was still mm-hmm. new. And so um, they gathered around me and started praying. And I started speaking in tongues again. I was like, wow. Then yeah. I'll tell you this last thing. We can move on. No, you take it. So yeah. then I went um, to a meeting with my aunt. Yeah. Um, and actually, that, might have, that may have even been before this. I think it was. It was before that. But after I had spoken in tongues at first at home. 
But um, my aunt and uncle, who are influential with me getting saved in the first place, uh, she had said, Toya, I want you to um, look at somebody, because she was talked about Juanita Bynum. That's who I first heard from, my aunt Octavia. And so she said, um, she's on TV now. Turn on the TV and, you know, look at it. And I said, okay. But, I, you know, I was just, just got saved. Yeah. So I wasn't necessarily that interested in turning on the TV to, you know, hear somebody. So then she called me back and said, did you turn it on? I was like, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, and so then right I was there. like, okay, I'll call you back. But then I listened to her and she said, well, what do you think? I said, she sounds strong. That was the word I used. Yes. And so she's like, well, she's going to be in town tonight preaching do you want to go with us to hear her and I was like yeah so they picked me up and I went to the meeting with them and when I did um Juanita Bynum was preaching and then she started um having people to pray and whatnot yeah and was um saying that God wanted to fill some people with the Holy Ghost and then she um you know we were praying and whatnot and then I was saying I did what I, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And I started speaking in tongues, and then I opened my eyes and looked around and said, like, did they hear me say that? Did that sound crazy to them? And then I closed my eyes again. She's like, that's it, that's it, that's it. I said, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I started speaking in tongues again. So, And then fast forward to at my church. So yeah. that was kind of my experience with being filled. But it was not long after I got saved because I was that hungry. So did you grow up in the church, though, or was or were you not, did you not grow up in the church? No, um, I had a somewhat of a, a situation kind of like Natalie's where I would go to my grandparents' house and my oh, grandparents okay. were Baptists. My grandmother sang in the choir and my grandfather was a deacon. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I would go, um, I know she always wanted me to wear a skirt to church. So I would just bring pants <laughs> when I was little. Yeah. And then she would take me to Kmart and oh, Kmart. buy me a dress. And yes, you take me and buy me a dress to wear to church. And so I would go to church with them whenever I was over with my grandparents. But other than that, I think I was part of like the 4-H club for a summer. Okay. And then through that, some kind of way, there was a couple, I don't even remember their names or anything. I was a child, but they used to come and pick me up in a van and take me to church, like with the group that I was with for 4-H or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, but that was the main bulk of it. So oh. not on any consistent basis, no. Because I find it's kind of weird because, you know, sometimes like some church kids, like when they get saved and then they start seeking for the Holy Ghost or the evidence of tongues, like it doesn't come to them like right away. Mm -hmm. And like that was me. Like I got, I was in church my whole life, you know, yeah. I grew up in a spirit-filled church with my grandparents, my mom and dad. So um I always had seen it and I had always been like, oh, okay, I want it. And then I started seeking for it. And I'm like, God, yeah. Like, and you know, you always got to that place in prayer. It was like, you know, is it, is it going to happen? Is it not? And like, you know, but it was actually like 2017 youth conference mm -hmm. here at CFC. Um, God had just said, lay your hands on this person and pray over them. Mm -hmm. And I said, God, but why? Said, yeah. Just do it said okay uh -huh. so i had two people like in between me i was like oh god <laughs> god touch him right now lord and all of a sudden i cannot explain it it was like something like came and like smacked like my stomach like like yeah and out just came like this and i went 
I kind of scared myself and I went, yeah, oh, yeah. Did that really happen? I went out the hallway and I called my parents. I'm like, and this it was their anniversary. It was like March 31st. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. I think I might have just spoken tongues. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. But the next day, like they that was back when they did like the Saturday services with um Savannah Lewis Helton and oh, like, yeah. the worship team. Yeah, yeah. I remember so that. I would get in, I got in prayer and I was like, oh, okay. And it came out again. I said, okay, I, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. It. But yeah, I think, you know, like you said, because sometimes people that aren't necessarily all the time like growing up in a spirit filled church at least, mm -hmm. um, when they kind of tarry for that. Well, they don't really tarry that long because it's they're, they're so in love. They're so excited. Like, that's all they want is mm -hmm. the Lord. As with, like, the church kids, you kind of like, you know. Yeah. She fell yeah. out again. Yeah. Well, and I think the difference, like, for me, I, I always say, when I came to church, I came with a vengeance. Yeah. Really, I, I came with a person, with a, per, uh, with a purpose. I needed God. Now, when I got saved, I didn't know what I was doing. What I mean by that is I just knew I needed something different. Mm -hmm. And so my uncle and aunt who, like I said, had gotten saved before me and were examples for me, I called and my aunt and I asked her, I said, are y'all going to church tomorrow? She said, yeah. And I said, can I go with you? And she said, yeah. And um, not knowing until later that that probably was an answer to prayer. I'm sure they were praying for me, mm -hmm. you know, and so um, when I got to church, their pastor, I can't tell you whatever he was saying, but he was preaching. And then he said, God want to save some young people in here. And then he looked at me. He said, you, you want to be saved? And I was like, hmm? and then I, he said, yes. And I, I looked around the church like everybody's looking at me. Is it wrong to say no to the pastor? Uh -oh. Uh -oh. And so I was like, yeah. He's like, well, come down here. Let us pray for you. And so I went down and they prayed for me. And then I didn't realize it until later, young man uh, about my age, he was getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And so he was, thank you, Jesus, and all this. And so I'm praying, but at the same time, I'm looking at him like, what? In the world? What's he doing? What's going on here? You know, because I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so at any rate, though, um, I felt it was a good thing, although I didn't really understand it. Mm -hmm. But um, it, and then I told my grandmother, I said, I guess, guess what? I called her. I said, I got saved. The one that was taking me to her Baptist church. Right. And so she knew that they were, they went to the Kojic church though, my uncle and aunt. Mm -hmm. So she said, well, what did you do? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. So she said, did you, did you shout? I said, no. She was like, did you, something else she asked me. And I was like, I think she said dance or something. I said, no. She's like, did you speak in tongue? I was like, no. She said, well, I'm gonna keep praying for you. And so I didn't know whether to be still happy or feel like I didn't get saved, you know? I was like, did I not get it? Cause she said she gonna be praying for me. So, but I think because she was Baptist, she didn't understand Kojic as much, you know, the difference. And she just knew what the differences looked like. So yeah. she felt that I was supposed to do some of that mm -hmm. when I got saved. And when I didn't, you know, she's like, okay, well, I'll pray for you. But what that did for me is it made me pray for myself. Because mm -hmm. when I hung up the phone with her, first thing I did is went and got on my knees. And I said, God, it doesn't sound like my grandma know for sure whether or not I got saved. Oh, Lord. But I really meant it. Yeah. You know, and so I just kind of, you know, just 
continue to pray and continue to seek God. And so with that, he became so real to me. And I was going through something at the time and I didn't care after I got saved. And I really, like I said, felt like I felt love for the first time. I didn't care which way the situation went. Right. I, I really didn't care. And so I just knew I wanted more of what I had just gotten and what I really felt. And whatever this love was, whatever made me feel like I was valuable and important, right. I wanted more of that. Yeah. So I, did, I hadn't been there, Josh, long enough to care what people thought of me, mm -hmm. to care how people looked at me. Yeah. And I think that's the difference sometimes when you grow up in it mm -hmm. versus when you come in with a need right. and really need God. I think you get, uh, if you grow up in it without having that close connection with the Lord, you more so have close connections with the people around you yeah. and then what they think matters. Wow. For me, when I came in, what they thought didn't matter because I didn't even know them. Right. But I knew that I found one who loved me mm. and he was all I sought after. Wow, that is good. Yeah. That is so good. Uh, but I think that is, that's kind of, um, when you said, you know, you'd clap and say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of weird because, like, in my own personal prayer time, I have found myself, like, starting, like, I don't know, it's just like a, like a feeling, like, just clap and like just praise the Lord. Yeah. And I'm like, Lord, what is this? And it's just like so natural to like just get into that. And when you yeah. get into that part of prayer, and it's like so crazy. Yeah. But um, I still do. Yeah. Uh huh. He's still worthy. He is absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that kind of ties into one of the questions of, um, do you have any advice for newly saved Christians? My best advice would be. I know we want to have community, and I don't mean the name of the church, but I know we want to have connections with people and whatnot, but don't rely more on those connections with people than you do on your relationship with God. Right. Because those same people, you may be exciting to them now and all this, but sometimes when that excitement wears off, you may become, you may start feeling lost. Yeah. Or if you start having conflicts with the people, you may also feel lost and disconnected. But if you start off with your connection with your father, when you start off with your connection with God and keep your focus there, then if you fall out with people, it won't really matter. Mm -hmm. it, it, it'll, it may hurt, but your foundation will be firm. And so my advice would be spend time in your word. Spend time with your word. It says that uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word mm -hmm. that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that was one of the things that I, I learned early on. I read that. And I'm like, well, if we need to live by what you say, then I need to know what you say. And then I would challenge myself. I would start reading in my Bible. And then like I had the King James Version, but then I also like the New Living Translation, Yeah. you know? And so what I would do is I would read it or like I would get a Bible with, get a Bible that has a good concordance and has, you know, like good footnotes mm -hmm. and things like that. Because then what I would do is I would read it and then I would think 
okay, what do I think that this is saying? And then I would look through the notes and stuff to see if what I thought lined up with what the explanation of what was happening right. was. Yeah. And if it didn't, then I would try to process my own thoughts to see, well, why did I think something different? And not to say that um, the footnotes and whatnot is every answer, right. but it does, it can help you to see whether or not you're on the right track. It's a good guy. Because, yes, because here's the thing is that, you know, you may ask me, but if my understanding is off, then I'm going to throw you off. So I need to have my foundation in the word of God. Yeah. That needs to be first. I need to spend time in prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when you read in God's word, you, you, he's talking to you, they say. When you, when you pray, sometimes you're, you're talking to him. But then also have your Bible with you. And that way, if God wants to speak something to you while you're praying, he, he will do that. I'm yeah. a witness. He will do that. So have your Bible with you. Um, learn a passage of scripture that means something to you right now. If you're newly saved, what kind of issues do you have? What is it that God saved you out of? What did you need deliverance from? Find something that helps to keep you from going back there and then memorize it. Pray that. Those type of things, it helps you to develop your, your knowledge of the word. Yeah. It helps you to develop your memorization of God's word. Right. It helps you to grow closer to him. And then I think you do need mentors and people around you that can pour into you, but you better ask God to lead you to the right ones because not everyone is going to be the right one for you. That's the truth. Yeah. So, and they those might kind of things. look, you know, like, and I think that's kind of, and they might really look like, you know, um, the example of mm -hmm. what a mentor should look like. And I think that's when, you know, like you said, the foundation should be the word, yeah. you know, and not people. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a foundation of people, then you're not going to really have the word to kind of, you know, stand up in your spirit and say, you know, this is, mm -hmm. this is not right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that kind of happened with me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I had kind of, I kind of had the wrong mentor mm -hmm. and it, it ended very badly. <laughs> Yeah. But it, that's when it kind of sent me into this path of making my foundation the word. Yeah. Because it pushed me, you know, no longer to just um, stay in the shallows mm -hmm. of the spirit, but all like to go full in. Yeah. Um, because I, my foundation was being challenged. Yeah. My foundation was um, God is more than just a shout and a fallout. Mm -hmm. yeah. God is a yeah. personable God. We have a relationship mm -hmm. with him. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we have that as a foundation of the word and prayer, then we're going to be able to know, you know, this person is not, you know, we have wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah. And we have to worry about that. Yeah. And then uh, one other thing I would say for new believers, um, that was my thought, is to... Um, don't be so quick to just launch forward. Mm. Take your time and develop your relationship with the Lord. It'll be plenty of time to, to work for him. Yeah. But uh, when Jesus had his disciples, before he just sent them out all on their own, 
they spent time listening to him teach. Mm -hmm. They spent time watching what he did. And as they learned, they were able to do. And unfortunately, a lot of times I see now when people are just getting saved, they're ready to go out like they've been saved 30, 40, 50 years. And I'm not saying that um, God can't use you, but sometimes people go out and they're not really ready for what they're trying to do. They just see somebody else do it. It looks like I can do that too. I, I speak well. I can go out and preach too. Well, what if that's not what God wants you to do? Right. Or what if you're not ready for it? And then sometimes you see those same people, they shoot out real fast and then they fall like a rock yeah. because they weren't ready for it. They have a zeal, but the Bible says you can have a zeal, but not according to knowledge. And so if you go out and you're not really ready for what you're trying to do, sometimes it can crush you. It can. Sometimes it can crush you. Sometimes you see those people fall away and they don't come back. Or, you know, sometimes if they do, they come back very bruised and battered. So it's better to take your time and develop your relationship with your Lord. Because, again, he'll teach you. He'll teach you what you need to be doing. And when you need to be able to do it, not everything is for you to do right now. Right. You, 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 you shouldn't do every, try to do everything all at one time. You'll burn yourself out. Exactly. You know, and so that's what I would say to new believers. And that kind of ties into the other thing. How do you prevent spiritual burnout? Well, I think, um, again, you, you learn God enough to know what it is that he would desire for you to do. And I also think that that will keep you from feeling like you're obligated to do everything. Um, I will say this, I've, I've told people this too, and you know, um, when you get saved and when people start learning you and they learn the kind of things that you're good at and that you can do, they'll start asking you, will you do this, will you do that? But here's what you need to know is that Nobody knows your life and your schedule better than you do. Right. And if you start saying yes to everything that people ask of you, they'll get what they want, but you may be deficient yourself. Wow, yeah. Yeah, you may be depleting yourself because you think that, well, if she asks me, then I should say yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, well, that must be good if she asks me, but, you know, Somebody could ask you to do something Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, and then, you know, all you, and then Sunday is, is church all day. And when do you ever get a chance to really spend time with God? Yeah. Sometimes people spend so much time working for God that they don't spend any time with God. Wow. And so That's you cool. have a Mary Martha kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it's nothing wrong with, wanting to prepare for those that are coming, they're coming to your house. I I do it, you know, often. So Martha's just trying to make sure everything is just the way it needs to be with all these people coming to her house to hear Jesus. But then when she was upset because Martha was sitting at his feet, she said, Jesus, don't you care? You see what all I'm trying to do. See that? Mm -hmm. You see what all I'm trying to do? And I'm trying to make everything the way it needs to be for all these people here to hear you. And all my sister can do is is sit. Don't you think you should tell her to get up and help me? And he said, Martha, 
you're concerned about so many things, but you need one thing. One thing. He said one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that better part that will not be taken away from her. So your works, they can, you know, you work today. If you can't do it tomorrow, guess what? They'll get somebody else. Right. They'll get somebody else. They will. But in the meantime, you may be bogged down because you're trying to do more than what the Lord has given you to do at this time. And I was there before mm-hmm. where um, I was just doing so much that I got to the point to where I didn't really care about any of it as much. And I couldn't really pour myself into any of them wholeheartedly because I was doing so much. I won't even run down the list, but it was like, you would say, wow. I'll say this, when I left my church in Alaska, it took four people to replace what, what all I did at the church. And it wasn't like I was the only volunteer. It was a lot of us. But um, at any rate, you know, I, I began to tell God I felt old. And you're talking at the time I was like between mid-20s to mid-30s. Mm-hmm. And I felt old. And I said, God, why do I feel so old? And he told me that because I was doing more than what he required of me. Mm-hmm. And then when I asked God what to give up, it crushed me because it was, although it was my biggest commitment, it was what I loved the most. But he let me see how it was more than what I could handle at that time. And then here's the other thing is that when people get used to seeing you in a certain capacity, if you happen to let that go, whether you need to or not, people get used to seeing you where they've always seen you. And they may not understand you having to let go of some things or they don't understand your life. And so then they can make you feel bad for not being where they think you should be. Right. But you have to know, and and, uh, one scripture that stood out to me was, um, I was listening to a radio broadcast around the same time, and a lady was talking about a similar situation. And she said that the Lord spoke to her and said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so that's when I said, God, well, then why do I feel so heavy? But it was because I was carrying something that he didn't say I had to carry anymore. And sometimes... The grace for whatever God's given you to do in one season, it may be up in the next. And you have to learn how to know when it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because if you don't have that time, I like what you said, you know, that you spend so much time working for God mm-hmm. that you don't replenish that relationship with him, mm-hmm. that you don't get filled back up and you can't pour out Yeah. if you're not filled up yourself. Yeah. And, you know. That kind of is, it kind of ties in with one of the questions about like the prerequisites for the anointing, but how do you keep yourself, you know, how do you purposely set aside time? Because I know like for myself purposely, I work a a nine to six schedule Mm -hmm. and it's hard sometimes to make time Mm -hmm. exactly for all the, you know, the praying and the reading because, you know, we don't mean, you know, we don't just pray. Yeah. (laughs) We kind of, we kind of go in and we. Mm-hmm. take back and it can take some time sometimes mm-hmm. um how do you make time to let the lord fill you back up again and let the anointing stay on you and increase because you know sometimes you can just be depleted from working so much well i mean sometimes i, I have to still work on that myself to be honest with you but 
I will say, um, I think that's why when you, as you do have those times, because you may not be able to pray for an hour every day. Right. You might, your day might be so full, you might get 10 minutes. Mm. But make that 10 minutes count, you know. Um, for me, I try to, like, you know, with our phones, a lot of times we get our phone. But the first thing I want to see when I open up my phone is scripture. Yes. I want to see what the word is saying, you know, and that's the first thing I want my eyes to lay on is the word. And then you may have to start off your day with prayer and, you know, asking God to lead and to guide you for that particular day. And then, you know, when you may have a little pocket of time here and there, and I'm not saying like just put God in your pocket, pull him out. But what I'm saying is that not every day is going to look the same. And so I wouldn't want somebody to feel defeated if they can't take two hours, because some people can. Everybody's situation is different, though. Yeah. Your situation will be different from a couple, you know, like a, a young man who's married. Their situation will be different from somebody who's, they're married and they have a child, whose situation is different from, they got multiple kids and situation is different from somebody who's a military family and the spouse is out. So not everybody's gonna have the same amount of time, but whatever time you can get, make it count. And that may not necessarily look the same every day. So, you know, you, you may have some time where you are, um, you got time to pray. You, you know, if you have small kids, you might have to take 10 minutes to go in the closet. Right. You know, but yeah, yeah, try to make that time count. Make it work. But then uh, also, um, like I said, take time reading your word. And, you know, heck, you might have to wash the dishes and have the audio version of the word playing. Yeah. And let something minister to you that you can catch then and say, oh, you know what? Let me mark that down. I want to go back and read that later. You know, something like that. I don't. I can't tell the person what's going to work for them, but I can say, um, don't quit. Don't stop. Don't completely give off your time to pray. Don't completely give off your time to um, read. And then, you know, if some people have a hard time feeling like they can't really study, by themselves, they don't really get it and whatnot. Find you somebody who does. Mm -hmm. See if they maybe can spend uh, 20 minutes with you twice a week or something like that, reading the word and whatnot. Or, you know, you have a question, find somebody that you can ask, and maybe that may help you to want to delve into it even more. If you know you're not going to be disciplined enough to spend time in prayer, but you have it, you might need a prayer partner yeah. for a minute until you learn the discipline of being able to pray by yourself for you, you might have time more in the morning. You might, I used to do it on my lunch break because mm -hmm. between my day job, I worked from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then um, a lot of times Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, I'm in church. And then meantime, I got to get my son home I got to get him fed and all this and then get to church. And by the time we get home, it's about time for bed. So what I would do is I had lunch from 12 to 1. I lived close enough that I could drive home. And I would be in there. I'd wolf something down right quick, you know, and then I'd spend 
30 minutes praying. Yeah. You know, I was, I, you, you can find time if you want to, you can find some time in your day, but if you can't go home, can you got 10 minutes that you can go to your car, 15 minutes, right? Do something and just be deliberate about it. Exactly. And I think that's one of the blessings about, I work from home. Mm-hmm. So, and I get an hour lunch break mm-hmm. from, and I have a late lunch break. I have mine's from two to three. Oh yeah. So it's late. And I love it though. Cause I have to work till six, but um, I can take that hour and mm-hmm. just like, if I, if I need to, you know, cause yeah. I'm not a morning person. See? Uh-huh. I can't do mornings. Like when David said, you know, when I think it was in Psalms, seek me early or something like that. Early. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. I, early just, will I seek your face. Yes. yes. That's <laughs> it. I can't do that. But I kind of wanted to shift into, um, cause I know you are an intercessor. Mm-hmm. You are very, you know, prayer heavy. And I love that. Um, how do you engage in spiritual warfare and become victorious? You know, I kind of talked about this with um, a few of the other people that I had on mm-hmm. just because of like, when you enter into spiritual warfare, it's, it's not a game. Yeah. It is very, um, it's very real. And it's mm-hmm. difficult sometimes. Are you saying spiritual warfare? Like if you're praying for someone or are you saying just like in general, just like it's in your time of prayer. Okay. Well, because it could be like a certain situation that happened or something and you need to go in. Yeah, well, I think like you said, it's, it's not it's not playtime. Recess is over. And, <laughs> recess and, uh, is over. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, recess is over at that point. And so, but I do think, again, the consistency of your time spent with God leading up to having these times of spiritual warfare mm-hmm. is crucial. Yes. Because here's the thing. I'll use an example. You take a boxer, right? Um, And let's say, for instance, he's new. He's learning how to box. You're not going to put him up against the heavyweight, right? Right. He's just going to box other lightweights and stuff. But hopefully he is in his training. He's learning so much so that when it comes time to fight a heavyweight, he'll be ready for it. Mm -hmm. Right. Then you can throw him in the ring with the heavyweight. But if he's not taking the time to train his body and to get ready for a fight, then if you think that he should be ready for a fight with a heavyweight because he's supposed to be doing all these hours of training and whatnot, he could get in that ring and get knocked out. Yeah, he could. And, you know, knocked out quick. You'd be like, well, what happened? He wasn't prepared. He, you right. thought he was preparing himself, but he wasn't. And so I think uh, times of spiritual warfare, uh, you got to be, your readiness matters. Yeah. Your time of uh, prayer when things are going good. Your time of fasting. Um, your time of really studying the word of God. Knowing God's character. What he wants, what he will and will not accept, you know, because then you know who's backing you up, mm-hmm. knowing Jesus, things like that. And then that way, when you are engaging in spiritual warfare, it, it helps to, to me, it helps to know who's backing you up. Right. Like I, I, I'm not going in my own authority. Right. I'm going in authority of my father. Yes. I'm not in this battle by myself. Mm-hmm. But if I don't spend any time with him, I don't even know if he can fight. Well, you that's know, good. could you imagine, you know, you uh, 
Like, my daddy gonna take care of you. And then you put your daddy out there and he get knocked the heck out. <laughs> like, he gets, hey, he's what it gets taken care of. Yeah, I thought you was I thought you had it. <laughs> but see, when you know the authority that your father has, right. Then and you know that he said that my authority belongs to you now. You mm-hmm. can do what I do as I am, so are you in this world. Once you learn that type of a thing, then I think you, you know, you learn to, um, that I'm not in this battle by myself. And then you go in and then you just, I don't know how to really explain it, but the more you uh, spend time in God's presence, the more you learn how to flow when you're in it. Right. The more you learn, train your ear to know how, and I don't mean audible necessarily, learn, train your spirit to know how to hear from God. Mm -hmm. And like you said, when you when you were heard, go pray for so and so. You were obedient to what you heard. Yeah. And then the results showed up immediately. Yes. Right? So God showed up immediately to let you know. And sometimes even when you're going in spiritual warfare, you may not even know what it's for. But just trust the flow. Yeah. Trust the process. Cause it might not even be for you right now. Yeah. You might be praying for somebody else who has a need. And while you're praying, you can be praying and you can start speaking in tongues and whatnot. And then a person's name will come to your mind. You say, Lord, bless flow, whoever flow is. But, you know, you can, Lord, bless flow. And then, you know, get to speaking in tongues some more. And then later on, the Lord will let you hear flow had a need at the time that you prayed for her. He didn't necessarily tell you what that need was, but it was urgent enough that he needed somebody interceding for her at the time. Yeah, always having that that willingness to listen yeah. to the spirit. And like, I can say that too, because I am still in training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've talked about it before, but I am still in um, a wilderness season. I'm still going through this and getting processed and everything. Because mm-hmm. um, there's always a time of preparation before yeah. uh, a launch or something. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it's just been like these certain events, like God is like bookmarking. as like these are me training i'm giving you personal training Mm -hmm. and you know the other it was i forget when it was but i just had this thing that just happened i woke up out of my sleep Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like all of a sudden like i I was hearing i was seeing the stuff and the prayer and then god was like telling me okay do this okay now do this Mm -hmm. now say this say this scripture pray Mm -hmm. the scripture declare the scripture Mm -hmm. and the god had me actually to get this notebook and write down like these spiritual warfare scriptures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And using them like whenever I get in those times of warfare, like, mm-hmm. and I have to go into the enemy's camp. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's always good to always, you know, have the word mm-hmm. in prayer so that you can use it. Cause that's what Jesus used to defeat mm-hmm. the enemy mm-hmm. in the wilderness, mm-hmm. is he used his word. Yeah. And Jesus is the word, mm-hmm. a double-edged sword piercing, you know, in and out. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very important as well. And, you know, Pastor Tom talks about Aunt Helen and how she continually walks in the spirit. You know, she walked in it. He said that she'd be making a chocolate cake. God just mm-hmm. said, make a chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. And that, again, kind of ties in with that. Like, God just said, hey, make a chocolate cake. And she's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Little does she know that Pastor Tom and a couple other young boys were going to come by her house. Yeah. And she had to go in and intercede on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we walk, you know, in the spirit like she did to that degree? Because, you know, like you said, we might not always have all that time mm-hmm. 
to pray, to do all that. Um, but God honors that. But mm-hmm. we do give God, you know, God gives the increase. Um, but she walked in it. She's, I mean, he said she'd walk in rooms and she just start writing law scriptures, speaking in tongues and prophesying. Mm-hmm. How can we walk in the spirit like she did, like how pastor gives an example of her? You know, honestly, I can't say because I didn't know Anne Helen. I know what right. he says about her. Yes. But um, from what we know of her. Yeah, I, I know what we know of her, but um, I don't know what all she did. I know that she spent time in prayer and whatnot. And but sometimes when you have people who have those kinds of ministries, they do spend a lot of time in the presence of yes. God. And so I, I do think the more that you spend time in God's presence, the more you get to know his heart. Right. You, get, you get to know which way he wants to flow. And I also think the more that you learn to obey what he has told you to do, yeah. the more you will learn how to trust his spirit yeah. and to flow in it. And so then if he tells you, bake a cake, and yeah. then you find out, this is why he wanted me to bake the cake. Right. Then that should help you so that the next time he tells you to do something, to obey him even faster than you yeah. did with the cake. Right. And then when you, you know, the more you do that kind of stuff, um, then I think the more you just learn to trust him. And you know, people say trust your gut, but no, trust his spirit. Yes. Here's the thing. When you, you know your parents, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you know them well enough that there are certain things you already know that they like and that they don't like, that they would and that they wouldn't do. There are certain things I, I imagine that you already know that they would say if I were to give you certain scenarios. What would your mom say in this situation? What would your dad say in this situation? Because you spend, what, time with them. Time. And so I think the more that you get to know God, the more you study his word, the more that you spend time in his presence, the more you're going to learn his character and the more you'll be able to follow follow him fully right i'll give you a real quick example one time when i had come from a woman that lose conference um i was on my way back home to alaska and they were saying that they were going to give away some free tickets to people who gave up their seats because the flight was oversold so i felt like the lord spoke to me and said go get in the line and i was like well, Lord, I think he said um, California, because they were they had to be rerouted through California. California had to be your final destination. I'm not going to California. He said, go get in the line. So I said, okay. And I took my <laughs> bag and I just left. Sometimes God will make you feel like you're doing stupid stuff. Right. But, uh, he will. But, and he'll, you know, it could be just for a testimony. But yeah. So I went and I stood in the line. And then they said, we only need a certain amount of people. So then me, I'm like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And the Lord said, stop counting. I didn't tell you to count. I told you to stand in the line. And so I'm like, okay. Then this uh, person cut in the line. And I asked the guy, I was like, was she already there? It, I think she just, he said, God said, it doesn't matter. Okay. So I'm just standing there. So then I get up to the guy and he says, okay, you trying to, you know, do this? I said, yeah. He said, okay, let me have your ticket. So I gave it to him. And he was like, and what's your final destination? And I said, Anchorage, Alaska. And he said, oh. He said, hold on just a minute. So he called somebody. He gets off the phone and he says, 
attention everyone, not just to me, attention everyone. If you're trying to do whatever, California has to be your, and he looked at me, final destination. And I was like, and then after that, he got off. He was like, well, yes yeah, or so no. They said that we can't do it unless, you know, you're going to California. And I was like, okay. And I'm thinking, you didn't have to do all that. I asked him, embarrassing me. <laughs> so then I get out of the line. I said, Lord, what was that? I feel stupid. You know, I, I did that because I thought you said, he said, don't worry about it. Go to the next line. I said, what? <laughs> so I went to the next line and I got up to the front. Oh my gosh. And when I got up to the front, the guy asked me again. And the thing is, the other guy standing right here. It's like the connecting thing. I'm like, oh my God, Lord, really? He won't see me. God, you really confounded the foolish right. things to watch. But he said, where are you going? I told him. And he said, oh, same thing as this guy did. So he said, hold on a minute. And then he just printed the things up. He said, enjoy your flight. And I said, so if nothing else, now, it, eventually, not, he, I got two tickets. So one of them I was able to bless somebody with. So the Lord made provision through me for somebody else wow. that he knew would need that later. But at the same time, it was helping to train me to know how to hear God. And that even if I have opposition, it doesn't mean that he didn't say it. Right. Still follow him because you don't know. You don't know exactly when it's going to manifest. But if he said it, it'll work. Right. All things work together for the good of those. Yeah. Um, well, I think that will conclude our session for tonight. I've had okay. such a good time. It's oh, been good, so me good too. to hear all of these answers, and I can't wait to edit this and upload it. And I hope that you guys had a good time, too. Uh, yes. Will you close us out in prayer? Yeah, Father God, we just honor you. Once again, we thank you for this time, Lord, tonight. And God, I pray that something was said that will be a blessing to somebody, something that they can glean from it, Lord. And I just pray that you would help us to learn to follow wherever you lead, God because you know what's best for us more than what we do. And I just thank you for Brother Josh. And I pray that you would continue to touch and bless him as he goes through this wilderness, for I know on the other side, Lord, that there's blessings, blessings and blessings for him. And I give you the praise for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hello, everybody. This is Josh with Passing the Power. This is the exclusive portion of the episode continuation with uh, Miss LaToya here tonight. And tonight we have two exclusive questions we're going to ask her. Um, number one, who is your spiritual role model? My spiritual role model would have to be my bishop from Alaska, Bishop uh, Charles Williams, or C.D. Williams. And the reason why I would call him my spiritual role model, even though I had a, a pastor before him who was also very dear to me, but Bishop was not only like a, like a pastor, he was more like a father. Yeah. He was very passionate. He loved the church. He loved everybody in the church. He knew everybody in his church. It wasn't like a, a huge church, but at the same time, it wasn't really tiny either. So he had a nice size. And Bishop was an older man. Uh, he actually passed uh, several years ago at like 97. So I will say he was very in tune with the people of his church and I, um, his character, his attitude never changed. Who he was, was always who he was. Mm -hmm. He was very well respected in not only our community, he was very well, he was the Bishop of our state for the church of God in Christ. 
but he was also very well respected in the National Church of God in Christ. They referred to him as the praying bishop. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, Bishop, you couldn't beat him adoring God. You couldn't beat him honoring God. I mean, before the church doors opened, he would want to be the first one there. But not only would he be the first one there, like on a Sunday morning, prayer started for us at nine o'clock, then Sunday school, then our morning worship service. Bishop would be there probably like 8.30. Wow. After he had gotten up, gotten himself dressed, got a little breakfast, cup of coffee, and called all the members of the church to invite them to come for prayer. And not only would he call us, but he pretty much called us about the same time every Sunday. So my phone would probably be ringing like 7.30 or whatever, but like clockwork, if my phone rang about that time, I knew it was Bishop calling. And he would say, good morning. You know, he would say, <laughs> yeah. good morning. And he'd say, uh, come on now, let the Lord speak to you. He was so, so hungry for God's presence. And he wanted people to be in God's presence so much mm -hmm. that, but that was a mandate that the Lord gave him to do. And so every Sunday he would get himself up, dressed, ready to go. And then he would call each and every one of us, each household for prayer. And then if you were sick or something, or he could tell in your voice, if you were some little different, and then he would pray for you. Yeah. And then he would get off the phone. But one of the sweetest things he ever did for me, I was sick. Um, I forget exactly what it was, but I was out of church like for a week or so. And for me at that time, that was a lot because like I said, I was there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. And so, and I think maybe two weeks. And when Bishop didn't see me, he called me. Not only did he call me, he asked me if I had a taste for anything. My Bishop went and bought food for me, brought it to my house, sat down and talked to me and didn't want me to wait until he was gone. He said, go ahead and eat. I don't want your food to get cold. And then he prayed for me and then left. My bishop would buy my son. He would take him to Burlington and buy him suits. Wow. He looked out for me as a single mother at the time. And um, when I bought my house, bishop walked through my house with me to make sure it was going to be a good house for me. Wow. He's always giving us little nuggets and advice. And he told me when I was uh, going to make an offer on the house, he said, one thing, make sure you like it. He said, because if you like it and something go wrong and you have to work hard to pay for it, it won't be a burden to you. Wow. But if you don't really like it, it will. And uh, like even when it was time for me to get married, Reggie, Brother Reggie had to go through Bishop first. Yeah, go through. Yeah, he had to go through my, my pastor, my bishop first, who I already knew loved me, who I already knew cared for me and was going to want to make me or have me to go into a good situation and wasn't going to just, just try to give me off to anybody. I didn't have um, a close relationship with my father like that, mm -hmm. and he wasn't a spiritual man. So I needed to have somebody who watched for my soul that was going to be, that was going to care for my life that would make sure that this guy was going to be a good one for me. And so my bishop did. And just different times of his excitement, even going to buy a car, my bishop was right there with me. He treated me like a daughter. He treated my son like he was his grandson. Wow. 
you know, he and his wife loved us as family. And, you know, I could really, the whole podcast could have just been about Bishop C.D. Williams, you know, and my story is not exclusive because just about everybody who was under his leadership or any time would have a similar story about him. Well, he sounds like a, like a true shepherd. That's literally what Absolutely. that comes to mind as a shepherd. Absolutely. And, you know, and like, say, for instance, if you're going out ministering somewhere, if you, if you are at his church, you weren't just going to go any and everywhere. He needed to approve of where you were going. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he, he's not bishop for nothing. Yeah. He knows a lot, a lot more than what we did. And he wanted to make sure that we weren't going to get mixed up in something that wasn't right or, you know, the wrong group of people or whatever. And he wasn't going to just let you go out if you weren't ready right. for it. He was more concerned about your soul than giving you an opportunity. Wow. <laughs> so he was he was a no-nonsense kind of guy, but you absolutely would know that he loved you and that in any type of a rebuke that he gave you is only because he loved you and wanted the best for you, like a father. Wow, that is, that's that's amazing. That's so touching. Like, yeah, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really really cool. I'm trying to remember what was the other question. <laughs> My mind just went totally blank. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Um, <clears throat> what what do you think is missing from this generation? Well, I think or Christian generation. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, one of the things I think is intimacy. Mm-hmm. I think it's getting back there. I think it's starting to get back there where people are starting to realize it's not just about us. It's really about the relationship with the Lord. Right. And again, um, I think people are starting to realize that we don't really want the microwave popcorn. I'd rather have the stuff that you have to sit on the stove and wait and give it time to heat up and then pop and, you know, all of that. Because I think a lot of this, just give it to me quick, give it to me quick, is, is more sometimes sensationalism, than it is Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, so many bought into that, but then when the rubber meets the road and when your back is against the wall, they find out that, that does, that's not enough to keep you. There wasn't no sustenance yeah. under it. Yeah, that, that's not enough to hold you and to help you to get through the rough times, but the relationship with God will. And yeah. so... Um, so I think people are starting to get back to the real. But even like, to me, if you go back to like the 80s and 90s and whatnot, and, you know, before that and listen to a lot of the songs, a lot of the worship songs were more about God and holiness and walking close with him. And, a, a, and somehow, some way, a lot of the songs flip to, it's more about what he does for us. Yes. You know? But that's wonderful, yeah. what he does for us. But how about if he didn't do all of this stuff for us, he's still God. Absolutely. He's still worthy of worship. He's still, um, he still is to be obeyed. Yeah. He still is to be honored. And so I think um, just the raw relationship with the Lord, honoring him, knowing that, all these other things, they're really extras. They are like exceeding abundant blessings, all that. And he said he would give us all of that. But he's first. He's first. He's first. I'm not first. And I think 
this generation, a lot of times they are so busy wanting to know what they can do for him that they miss out on the greatest part, like I mentioned earlier about Mary, of being with him. Really quick example for you. If, a, if you were to get married, right? Mm -hmm. You have a wife, you stand in front of a church or wherever you are, and you say, I do all these things to her, for her, right? right. Well, if you get married to her, and then you just start working and doing stuff that you think she would like without asking her, just doing them on her behalf, she gonna get sick of you. She's gonna get sick. <laughs> she gonna, you know, she's gonna get tired of that because she's not first. Right. Your idea of her is first. Wow. But not her, personally. That's good. Yeah. And so you don't want to get your ideas of what you think God wants mixed up with what He actually wants. And so we can do that though by just running around trying to do stuff or you know following the lead of other people like oh this is what she's doing i think that's i think i want to try to do that no what you better do is find out what does god want you to do because he might want you to be like mary and just sit at his feet right for him that may be more important for you to do right now because he knows what he wants you to do later right and so if you're so busy trying to get out there and do all this other stuff now you miss the greater which is being taught by him. And so then when you do finally come out, you'll be like the, and Elijah the Tishbite. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing you read about him, and Elijah the Tishbite. And then it goes into all this stuff that Elijah did, but where did he come from? We don't know, but we know that when he came forth, he came forth with power. Yes. He obviously already had a relationship with God. He already, obviously already knew how to hear from him. He obviously already had confidence in God when we saw Elijah. So even though we just see him show up as an Elijah the Tishbite, there was a backstory yeah. to that. Just like by the time Moses came forth, he had been out there for 30 years in the desert. Right. In the, you know, so it, it's not necessarily an overnight sensation, but it's so worth the journey mm -hmm. if you spend that time with God first. So I think the, this generation is lacking in God first. Everything else comes later. Right. And that's so, like, it's just perfectly, like, describing of, like, what is happening, like, in my own life. Just because learning how to wait well. That's good. Is, has been difficult. Mm -hmm. Because God has already given you a part of the dream, mm -hmm. part of his plan. And you're just like, man, I just want to get out. But it's like you can't because you're not all ready for it yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jesus, you know, when he was, um, I think he started ministry at 30. Mm -hmm. But he was preparing his mm -hmm. whole life. Mm -hmm. When he got baptized, then he went into the wilderness for 40 days. And, you know, yeah. And he had to be tried and through the wilderness. And he only ministered for three years. Yeah. But his impact, and it's just like, because he, he is Jesus, I mean, it's going to go on forever. Mm -hmm. But I mean, even if he did it, like, you look at all these other ministers, and they have went through all these periods of waiting seasons and, like, getting them ready for what God had called them to do. Mm -hmm. It requires that season of waiting. Yeah. And I just was driving um, a couple of weeks ago, and I was just praying about it, 
again, I'm like, Lord, just give me strength to keep on waiting. Yeah. <laughs> give me give me strength to keep on being content where I'm at mm-hmm. in this season. And, you know, I think people are kind of scared to pray that. Mm-hmm. Like, God, help me to be, be content because you never kind of want to be like, God, I'm uncontent with where you've got me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of scary for some people, but I'm like, I talk to God like he's my best friend yeah. sometimes. Like, I'll be in bed and I'm like, and all this happened today and all that. And I just really wanted to do this and do that, but I really couldn't because I had the Holy Spirit pull me back and I'm just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I am one of those people. Yeah. So um, I was praying about it and I was talking to the Lord. And out of nowhere, like, just that still small, like, voice, that little whisper, I'm driving, going on, I just hear out of nowhere, I'm the author of your dash. Mm. And I said, what? And he took me back to, because my parents, um, they're associate pastors and my grandpa's a pastor. Mm-hmm. Not of Taylor Mill Pentecostal Church. <laughs> Taylor <laughs> Mill. It's a different church. Uh-huh. Everyone thinks that my grandpa's the pastor of that church and he's not. That's too funny. <laughs> um, Jay actually asked me that. <laughs> Too funny. <laughs> exactly, yeah. uh, but uh, it took me back to some of the funerals he preached. Mm-hmm. And he always says, you have a birth date and you have a death date, but in the middle there's a dash. Mm-hmm. And God said, stop worrying about the in-between Yeah, because I'm the author and the finisher of your faith mm-hmm. and I'm going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, God. Hands yeah. off. Yeah. Hands off. So I think that is... Um, like you said, the lack of uh, intimacy, but we're getting there. Yeah. We are definitely getting back to that place of just sitting. Mm-hmm. And the worship music and the prayer music is really shifting mm-hmm. to um, kind of magnify the Lord again. Yes. Because like you said, it was always about my struggle, mm-hmm. my this, my that. Mm-hmm. God, what can you do for me? Mm-hmm. But now it's just magnifying the Lord. You yeah. kind of see that trend going again. Which is wonderful. And you know... Um, with what you said, when you really look at the Bible and you look at a lot of people that the Lord used greatly, there was a long waiting period Oh yeah, in between the promise and the fulfillment of it. Mm-hmm. When you think about Abraham and Sarah, and then, you know, I, I taught one time in uh, Pastor Terry's class about that. Yeah, yeah. And so one of the things that I said <laughs> so is, good. you know, he talked to Abraham multiple times before Sarah ever heard it. Now, I don't know what they talked about privately, but as far as the Lord speaking to Sarah, he had already spoken to Abraham multiple times and years had passed in between times. So, of course, she's getting older and older. By the time she heard it, she laughed. Right. She's like, what in the world? Are you still talking about I'm going to have a baby? You know, as old as I am. She's old, too. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, even Abraham, he laughed. He said, shall I, who am 99, and Sarah, who's 90, still have a child? What, like, just let Eliezer do it, Lord. And, you know, but <laughs> right. then you look at David. Okay, so he was anointed to be king by Samuel, but he had, like, three different anointings. Yeah. So it wasn't all just at one time. But after that first time with, uh, with his among his family, his brethren, he didn't just go right in the palace and become king. No. There was a journey. It was. Uh, when Joseph had those dreams mm-hmm. about what God was going to do through him, he, God doesn't necessarily show us all of this because a lot of times there's going to be some type of a conflict, a struggle, 
that you're going to go through in order to get there to the other side. And so really to be trying to rush to get to the other side could be rushing and accelerating your struggle. Wow. That's really good. Yeah. Cause you may have to go through something to get there and you might not be ready to go through that struggle mm -hmm. just yet. You might be in the preparation stage so that you know how to go through the struggle before you get to the promise. Because wow. then when you get there, you need to be able to look back at somebody else and say, you know what, you can make it. Here's how I know you can, because this is what I went through before I got here. And so, okay, you want to accelerate this thing, then again, that might be why some of them get washed out so fast. Right. Because you're so quick, you, you, you're on your little surfboard, you're so quick for that wave to come in, you haven't even steadied your feet yet. So then that wave can come in and take you under mm -hmm. and just take your water, catch your breath and learn how to recover and get back, you know, uh, get your head above water again. Right. So it's better to just let God do it and let him lead you. He understands his own timing better than we do. What we don't want to do is you don't want to lag behind, lag behind right. what he's trying to do. But as long as you know that you are in the will of God, then just go ahead and ride out the journey. He knows every step. You might think that what you're doing right now doesn't matter. But I heard an example of a guy uh, said one time, we talked about waiting on God. He looked at it like a waiter in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. The waiter isn't doing nothing. The waiter is bringing you your water. He's bringing you your salad. He's right. taking your order. He's bringing you your main course. He's taking away the things that you've already used. So waiting, you're actually doing some things. You just don't know that it's part of the whole thing. Right. That is so good. Though. Yeah. You just don't realize it, but you'll find out later. And they say you understand it better by and by. You'll find out that all the stuff that you thought was insignificant and was a waste of time was really leading up to where you're going. Wow. Well, thank you so much for imparting that. That was just like, I'm just like a sponge <laughs> tonight. So thank you so much again. And this has been the exclusive with Passing the Power podcast. We'll see you guys next week. We are going to be having uh, Debbie Veely on with us next week. So come on out, watch us and listen to us and we'll see you next week.